Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A few years ago, a group of friends and I went RV camping with my trailer together. The campground we wanted to go to was full so we ended up RV camping deep into the forest several miles away from any other campers. 
Well the first night we woke up at about 2 in the morning to drumming and singing. It sounded like a traditional Native American type of song and music. I don't know how to describe it, but I got the feeling that something was very wrong. It was like the feeling you get when something bad happens. And the sound didn't sound like it was coming from anywhere in particular, but was just all around us. Anyways, we were completely freaked out and decided to sleep in our car. The next night we decided to go see if we could find any other campers near us that may have made the noise. We literally saw no sign of life anywhere around us, and we were in a somewhat clear part of the forest, so if anyone was camped near us, we would have seen them. We were still freaked out, but decided it was probably nothing so we spent another night. That night we woke up at the same time again to loud music, but it sounded closer this time. We also felt like something was just wrong, and were extremely freaked out. We were too freaked out to go to sleep so we just stayed in our tent awake all night. The next day when we woke up we decided to pack up and see if the other campground was open, and it was. When we stayed there nothing else happened. To this day I really don't have an explanation for what that noise was. I don't understand how we could have not seen any other campers, and why they would have played music in the middle of the night. We also weren't on tribal land. My best friend who was one if the other campers is Navajo, and she said the music was similar to music she heard in tribal dance or rituals. I'm still freaked out about the whole ordeal, and it's hard to explain, but my body was just telling me that something was very wrong when this was happening. Used to camp all the time when I was a kid, but I moved away from the mountains for a while. This was my first camping trip in over 10 years and I was solo. It was a long drive to my destination and I had gotten a late start. So I pulled off on a national forest back road to camp for the night. It was twilight and I was getting ready to sleep in the truck stuffing my sleeping bag and air mattress in the back of the cab, when I noticed that the woods are dead quiet. Not a bird, not a squirrel. I was well off any main roads. I didn't think too much of it until I heard a Stellar's J alarm call. Corvid's J's, crows and ravens, will alert to predators. I look up just in time to see a shape pass between two trees way the hell to close for comfort. Definitely an animal of some sort, but all I saw was the top of the hindquarters, no head, no tail, because of the brush and the angle of the trees. It was tawny, and my first thought was, deer. Until I realized that whatever the hell it was made no sound. None. The ground had years and years of leaf and pine needle build up. Deer crunch when walking through that. Only a predator moves that silently. Yep, it was a mountain lion. I figured that from its direction of travel, it would have to cross the creek I was next to, and I would see it as it left. It never crossed the creek. I hurried up getting my sleeping bag unrolled and stuffed in the truck, with the growing feeling that I was being watched. I finished and slammed the tailgate of the truck as hard as I could. I heard the cat make three big bounds away, then stop. I got in that truck and stayed there till morning. 
That was my most terrifying and thrilling experience in the woods while camping and I still camp alone most of the time. I've had bears walk past my tent and heard wolves howling on a hill above my campsite, but nothing compares to that mountain lion. Gallup is a border town on the Arizona or Mexico border on I-40, you cross into Arizona. It's an Indian reservation north. It's all Native American Navajo. I lived out there. I was married to a Navajo girl. I lived out in the south of Gallup. When you go south you go up in altitude. You go up about 8,000 feet, 85,000 feet. It's all pine trees in these mountains. Her family had land way out in the middle of nowhere. I mean it was beautiful. I can't even begin to describe where I was at. Very few Belladonna's white people. I was hunting out there. I got up really early one morning. Left the Hogan. We lived way out there. I took off and was actually looking for elk. It was that season. And I'm way up there in the mountains. I'm out there probably about 7 o'clock. The sun's coming up, and something's following me. I'm an ex-Navy corpsman. I know when something's following me. I'm about an hour and a half back in, and I'm way out in the middle of nowhere. So I go around and I end up on a box canyon on top of this mesa that overlooks the boonies. It's like a thousand foot drop off. Okay, real quick, I head back towards the box canyon. I was trying to get away from whatever was following me. All of a sudden I hear these thundering footsteps, and I lean up against the wall, and here comes about seven horses out from the middle of nowhere into this box canyon. Wild horses. I get around the box canyon, and there it is. It jumps off the top of a 20-foot dead-end box canyon. I was at the bottom. I'm looking up, and now I'm looking at it. And it jumped, one foot down, one foot up on the side. It was exactly what everybody says that you guys talk about Nori says Bigfoot yeah. And I'm in the middle of the Indian reservation on the top of a little mesa. It blew my mind. It looked right at me. I was less than 50 yards from it. I took off running. I didn't freeze. I took off running. I was armed to the hilt. I ran around the box canyon and got out of the box canyon as quick as I could. Then something threw a rock at me. It was a huge rock. I'd say it weighed about 8 pounds. It would have killed me. I looked and I tripped out. At 120 to 200 yards there it was, and it looked at me. I'm telling you. It blew my mind. It threw an 8 pound rock at least 120 yards. And this thing was not small. This thing was huge. Okay? I was armed with a 270, 4 by 15 by 15 and I am a crack shot. Let me tell you what. I hit it, I hit it. It took two steps and poof it just disappeared into thin air. It was like it was never there. The footprints were there, but there was no blood. True story, dude, I know I hit it. I watched it change expression. Nori asks how tall it was ah man, it had to have been eight and a half feet, probably weighed close to 600 pounds. I don't know where it's from, but wherever it came from, when I hit it, it had the ability to just disappear into thin air. You know I looked. I followed the footprints. 
I walked the 120 yards. It wasn't that far from the top of a mesa, it had nowhere to go. Never ever have I seen it again, and never ever have I gone back, not by myself. I thought camping in an RV was supposed to be safe. Have you ever had one of your favorite activities completely ruined for you, maybe forever, due to a negative memory associated with it? I do. I don't think I'll ever be able to sleep outside of anything that remotely resembles a house again, after one night in late June of 2019. My boyfriend, Tim, and I had been together for about two and a half years, and actually met due to some mutual friends who, like both of us, loved being outdoors. Hiking, biking, kayaking, camping, you name it, we'd do it, and probably have done it. Now, we're not really adverse to getting dirty or smelling horribly after spending days in the wilderness, but I would say that we try to avoid it if at all possible. For that reason, we decided, soon after moving in together, to buy a decent-sized RV trailer. He already drove a truck very useful for carrying outdoor gear or accessing remote-ish trails. So we invested a solid chunk of change in a 20-foot trailer. It was surprisingly pretty nice. I won't say it was the Ritz-Carlton of the camping trailer world, but it was better than sleeping on the ground with bugs and dirt, and who knows what else. The back of it had a bathroom with a toilet, shower, and window. The middle had a kitchen and couch that folded into a bed, and the front had another bed. No frills, but it got the job done. Because of the size of RV beds, we typically would use both beds if it was just the two of us, but we could squeeze into front bed together if necessary, or if we were in the mood. Starting in the spring of 2019, we took this thing all over the western half of the S. We both had jobs that allowed us to work remotely doing this before it was cool. So we had some pretty epic road trips for those first few months. Around Memorial Day, we wrapped up our trip and came home for a while, though had plans to head to my parents' house for the 4th of July. We lived on the west coast, they lived back in the Midwest, so it'd entail a couple of days of driving. Rather than just driving as fast as we could, we decided to bring the trailer and made a week out of it, leaving near the end of June, with plans to see the Grand Canyon, painted desert, petrified forest, and a whole slew of other stops along the way. On our fourth day of the trip, after we'd done most of our sightseeing, we pulled over at an RV park somewhere east of Albuquerque. Now, I would like to apologize to any New Mexico residents that may read this, but we weren't exactly getting the best vibes from the state thus far. Most of the people had been friendly, but there were, like, a hundred too many, stop driving drunk signs for our liking, so we weren't exactly eager to stay if possible. Our accommodations for the night were on the outskirts of a small town, the kind where the streets were all numbered and one main avenue through town had the gas station, general store, and church on it. If you've ever traveled the US, no matter what part of the country you're in, you've been through hundreds of these. We rolled in as the sun was beginning to waver and drop below the brown, dusty mountainous peaks in the distance, creating a hazy light at dusk. We'd been able to establish a good routine, 
I got the steps and awning on the trailer set up. While Tim emptied the gray and black water tanks for lack of a better term, are used shower water and poo, respectively and replenished the clear water tanks. The campground was set up in a couple of large circles, mostly empty. There was a couple of large, 40-plus foot RBS set up on another side, and a few older couples at a fire pit in front of one of them, probably some people enjoying retirement, and a few other camping spots taken by vehicles or camps of varying sizes and elaborateness. The left side of our trailer was parallel to some thick brush and trees, so the right side, the one with the door, opened into the rest of the park. As I stood facing the RV, with all five foot four of me trying to reach and pull the awning down, I heard a hum of a motor approaching behind me. I turned to see a man on a quad bike approaching. Probably just some guy wheeling around because he's bored, I thought. I resumed work at the awning. I heard a shout behind me over the whine of the engine. Need a hand? I glanced over my shoulder and gave a half smile. No thanks, I got it. The man got off the bike anyway. He stood on the opposite end of the awning from me, reached up, and pulled, extending the cover over the porch of the trailer. Oh, ah, uh, thanks, I said sheepishly. He nodded. I eyed his clothing. He had a blue polo shirt, khaki shorts, and a black baseball cap on, with some sort of logo on it. He also had a belt with what appeared to be a gun. His eyes were sort of small and beady, and darted quickly around. There was a brief moment of silence as we gave each other a once-over. He squinted his eyes. I'm Marco, I work security here, he said suddenly. Oh, well, thanks, I replied awkwardly. This guy was definitely making my spidey senses tingle, not in a good way, but I couldn't really figure out why. He just sort of walked away, without saying anything else, hopped back on the bike, and left, looking back over his shoulder and locking eyes with me for a few seconds before he left. I stood there for a minute, pondering. He's probably just kind of a socially awkward, weird dude I reassured myself, mentally, going back to finishing up the task at hand. I felt an arm reach around my waist and grab. I jumped, letting out a sharp yelp. Sorry, I heard Tim's voice behind me. I sighed, spun around, and smiled, rolling my eyes at him. A little jumpy tonight, aren't we? He laughed, kissing me. I playfully slapped his shoulder. Come on, let's get some dinner started, I said, opening the door to the trailer. As we ate a delicious, nutritious meal of hot dogs, Easy Mac, and pickles don't ask, I told him about my newfound friend, Marco. He doesn't sound from weird to MFME, Tim said with a mouthful of hot dog. I raised my eyebrows and laughed. Run that by me again, I giggled. He swallowed, wiping his mouth. I mean, what's so weird about him? He stared at you. I don't know. I just got the wrong vibe from him. And besides, how many RV parks have we ever stayed in that have security? He laughed. That would be none, but to be fair, we've been saying the whole time how weird of a state this is. Besides, 
I doubt the owners would let some creep run around pretending to be security. He had a point. We cleaned up from dinner, got ready for bed, and were soon out cold in our separate bunks, the only light coming from the moonlight outside that lit up the gravel parking lot. Tim took the front bunk, I took the rear bunk, which was right behind the door. I awoke to the sound of the engine, the same one I heard earlier when putting the awning up. I rolled over and looked at the display of the clock on the microwave. 1.48 AM. Ugh, I just wanted to sleep and a TV magee out there was on patrol. I'm sure it's completely necessary for you to be doing that right now I thought facetiously. I shut my eyes, but the engine persisted, coming closer and closer to our trailer. Then, suddenly, it shut off. Silence. Finally, I get back to sleep. Tap, tap, tap. I froze. There was a tapping at the window literally right next to my bed. If I rolled over, my face would be a few inches from the glass. I could hear a faint, low, male voice from outside of the window. You need to come outside right now he kept repeating it too. I rolled onto my back, slow owly and peeked out of the corner of the blinds. You have to come outside. It was tough to see in the darkness, but the silhouette told me enough, it was definitely Marco, that weird security guard from before. My suspicions went from a slight weird vibe to, I'm about to call the cops on this guy, in the span of two seconds. Bring your husband too, it's urgent. What? I got closer to the glass. He repeated it again. You and your husband, come out, quietly, now. Before, I was convinced that this guy was some sort of rapist or something, now I wasn't sure. He either wanted to murder both of us, or he legitimately needed us for some, unfathomable reason. I still have no idea why, maybe it was that aforementioned impeccable intuition. But I slowly stood up and crept towards the door, glancing over at Tim. He was both fast asleep and probably nude. I decided that if Marco had truly evil intentions, I could scream loud enough to wake Tim, and probably anyone in a half-mile radius, so I left him sleeping peacefully. I silently opened the door and poked my head out. Marco stood crouched near my window, and turned his head towards me. There's someone in the trailer, Marco said bluntly, in a quiet voice. What? I whispered. Yeah, my boyfriend is asleep in there. I had no idea what this guy was talking about. No, there's someone else in there, he hissed urgently. In my half-asleep stupor, I still had no idea what was going on. I stepped down out of the trailer, rubbing my eye, and let the door slam behind me, causing a loud bang. Marco winced and rushed over to the door. I heard a thudding in the back of the trailer, then a shout from within. Marco rushed in, pulling the gun from his hip. I was close behind. A man was standing on the bed that I'd just been sleeping on. He was short, with dark features, a torn pair of pants, and plain black t-shirt. He had long, scraggly hair. His right arm was outstretched, holding a long knife, but he wasn't really pointing it, he just sort of held it. It was pointed sideways, with the bottom of the blade facing the ceiling. That was creepy enough, but as we stepped into the trailer, 
he looked our way. He opened and closed his mouth a couple of times, before letting out the most bizarre scream I've ever heard. It wasn't high-pitched, it was almost like, if Kurt Cobain's drawn-out screaming in aneurysm, was done by a guy that made me a serial killer, and was currently threatening my boyfriend. Oh shit, my boyfriend, I hadn't even looked at him, though it had only been a couple of seconds. He had pulled the blanket up to cover most of him, and was holding a pan, which he must have grabbed off of the shelf next to his bed. Marco held up his gun, and the man took off, running to the back of the trailer, still screaming. The way he ran almost reminded me of an animal, he sort of trotted one leg at a time, leaning forward as he did, but with way more speed than you would expect. The door to the bathroom was opened, which must have been where he had hid. He proceeded through it, and in one fluid action, hopped from the seat of the toilet to the tank, then out the back window, landing somewhere in the bushes below. Marco ran out the door, chasing him around into the woods behind the trailer. I stood in the trailer, in a state of shock, as Tim sat up, in a similar wide-eyed state. I sat on the bed slowly next to him. We were silent for what felt like forever. He exhaled loudly. Yeah, I said, I know what you mean. He smiled slowly. The rest of the night was a blur. The police came and took statements from most of the people staying at the park. The owner didn't sleep there at night, he arrived and apologized profusely, refunding our fee for the night. Marco had chased the guy for a few minutes on foot, but lost him somewhere in the thicket. As far as I know, they never caught the guy, and they had never heard of any incidents similar to ours to where this guy may have been a, to put it lightly, repeat offender. Before we left, I asked Marco how he knew the guy was in our trailer. He explained that he typically patrolled on foot, and saw someone in the distance, near the bushes, so he got onto his bike and made his way over to us. Around that time, he saw the guy climb into the bathroom window from the outside. That's when he woke me up at the window, trying to do so discreetly to not alert the creep that anyone knew he was in there. Both Tim and I thanked him repeatedly, but he insisted that it was just his job. The two of us were eager to get out of there, even having only slept for a couple of hours. We drove straight through to my parents' house, taking turns sleeping in the back seat of the truck while the other drove. Our perfect road trip had lost its luster, and we were ready to rid ourselves of any traces of it. Once we had arrived, before even going to my parents' house, the first thing we did was go to sell this trailer. Neither of us had any desire to keep the thing after what had happened, and frankly, I didn't think I would be camping again for a very, very long time. We pulled into the RV dealer, and were able to quickly get a salesperson to talk to. After making up some reasons for wanting to sell it something about needing the money for an addition on our house I think, we were a few signatures away from the trailer, and hopefully, the associated experiences, no longer being in our possession. Now, if you can just get me the title for the trailer, that will be all that we need, the salesman said. I'll go get it while you sign these, I said to Tim. In the glove box of the truck, right? He affirmed. 
I left the office and opened the passenger door to the truck, leaning on the seat as I popped the glove box open. It was kind of a mess, which was odd, because Tim usually kept it very organized. I rifled around it and found the document that I was looking for. As I pulled it out, a square of paper fell out and landed face down on the floor mat. I picked it up and turned it over, then my jaw dropped. It was a Polaroid photo, dated the night it had happened, taken of me asleep in bed. I just wanted to share an incident that I experienced in Point Pleasant, West Virginia where I went to high school. I was in a video production class right around the time, the movie The Mothman Prophecies with Richard Gere was being made. So we decided to make a documentary. We spoke to a woman in her 70s who, during the time of the original sightings back in the 1960s, said that she was out riding her horse one day, and she said she suddenly felt someone sit down behind her. All of a sudden the horse bucked her off and went crazy. She chased the horse down and then looked at the horse. Burned into the flesh of the horse were the legs of a humanoid. She immediately got in contact with a veterinarian who came to their farm to treat the horse. The veterinarian never asked how the horse got burned as if he had seen this type of burn before. Other than the burn, the horse was fine. Later that week, she confided to a friend that whatever it was that sat behind her on the horse had very thin, insect-like legs. She also said that it had the odor of ammonia. She also said that when she was backed off the horse she caught a glimpse of the being on the horse. She saw huge butterfly-like wings that were yellow in color. She swears up and down that this was the Mothman. Also, it turns out that the veterinarian was one of the 46 victims who died during the Silver Bridge collapse on December 15, 1967. I just thought that was an interesting story. This story is only partly a first-hand account. Events that may have led up to this point come from my friend group at the time. They were trustworthy, but I only saw this thing once. A lot of the really intense encounters with the paranormal for me were in these Ozarks woods beside where my friends lived. As for the previous events, basically, I had this one friend who had had many encounters and dealings with various beasties, and I learned a lot from him. The other two friends believed but not as deeply. Poked hornets nest often and just did all around stupid stuff. Found this old book on satanic witchcraft, not that in of itself is stupid, drew sigils willy-nilly, pronouncing Latin wrong, started doing drugs experimentally cocaine and heroin but stopped and cleaned up. But they still did stupid stuff. They wanted tangible proof of this sort of thing. They found an abandoned shack in the woods, drew some summoning circle and red spray paint in a window, put some of their blood on it and did a ritual of some sort. Nothing happens. A couple of weeks go by, and they are walking through the woods, and they get all panicky for no reason, like their flight or fight goes into overdrive, and they get lost from the panic and see this thing in the treetops following them. They finally make it back home and tell my other friend the intelligent one what happened. He thought they were just freaking out 
and it was probably nothing. Another week goes by during which they tell me, and we all make plans to hang out. We were outside chit-chatting, smoking cigars, and enjoying the night. All of a sudden I happen to look across to the other apartment building, and I see what looks like this massive hand gripping the roof, and see this tail swaying, but it's giant. I asked them if they had seen it too, and they did. We go around trying to debunk this. The trees were down a hill and weren't visible from the other side. But then I saw these bright blue eyes look at us on a massive head. We go back towards where we were in case we need to bolt inside, and we can see better in the light. We keep watching, and this very muscular arm hoist up this thing on top of the roof, and it lays across it like a 15-foot-long muscular cat. It was dark so it's hard to say for certain of the color, but it didn't have fur, and it looked dark gray. The head looked like it had horns, but again it was dark. There was definitely something there, but we weren't sure what. It gets off the roof, and hear it slide on the gravel down the hill, and tear back off into the trees. Nothing else spectacular happens that night, and so ends my personal account. However, they told me later that the two buddies, who did the so-called ritual got so freaked out, they went back to the shack and destroyed the circle with a rock and didn't close the summoning. They refused to go hiking there anymore after they told us that they saw this 15-foot-tall, skinny gargoyle, no wings and blue eyes with no pupils, chased after them when they tried to go in. Something freaked them out because the edgy Satanists and militant atheists started attending evangelical Christian churches. The only thing I know for certain is what I saw, the rest could be completely made up. I researched Ozark's cryptids, but couldn't find anything that matched. My more experienced friend said he thinks they did summon a demon, and severed its way back, or hold they had on it so it attacked. I really don't know what it was. My friend grew up on the New River in West Virginia before the dam was built. Here is his story. When my friend was a kid about 10 years old, he and his friends would spend every day in the summer down in the river playing. The first year they had their interaction was when they all noticed unknown creatures in the woods across the river, which was 30-40 feet wide with slow moving water over rocks with wading pools. For about a week the kids noticed that these beings would move though the kids never really saw them. After a week they would be gone. Then again, the next year at about the same time, they had their second interaction, but this time the kids could see them. They stayed up in the woods, but allowed themselves to be seen. They never came closer that year, and they were gone. The next year the interaction got closer and closer every summer, till about the sixth year of this yearly interaction, the boys sat on one side of the water, and the family group of Sasquatch would sit on the other side of the water about 35 feet away from each other, while the small ones would play in the water. This lasted about a week, then they were gone for the year. The next summer the boys made sure that they were down there early, and sat down in the shallow water, just a few feet from the bank. This was the year that physical contact was made. The Sasquatch little ones and the mothers would sit beside the boys in the water, and the small ones splash about around the boys. 
This happened for about a week, and then they were gone. The boys were about 17 years old during the last year of interaction. It only lasted one day, and the boys never went back afterwards. The boys did some of the same routine, but this year they actually sat on the bank of the other side, and waited for them to come out of the woods. The Sasquatch did, and continued to interact with the boys. The one thing I left out was the extremely large male who led this family group. As they approached the river the Sasquatch would always wait for the large male to ascend a large rock that overlooked the area, but only a few feet away at all times. It was as if he was the overwatch, the leader, who stood well over 8 feet tall. The boys were fully grown young men by now, and they only came up to its lower chest. The big male was dark brown to black, but had a silver chest. The chest looked like it had an upside-down triangle of silver hair, with the wider part of the triangle on the top, and narrowed as it went toward the waist. He controlled everything my friend said. The last time they had any interaction was the only day because my friend actually got on top of the rock where the silver-chested male would stand. The male got on top of his rock and was only 5 feet away from my friend, and that is how he knew that it was almost 10 feet tall. My friend said he started to feel Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Feel sick. That is when he was spoken to, not by voice, but he could hear in his head. I can eat you at any time, and there's nothing you or your friends can do about it. It was then the pungent smell overwhelmed him. Almost like he was finally allowed to smell them, and understand them. My friend backed away and put his head down as he moved off the rock. The other boys all started to wade across the water, and slowly moved away from the family group. My friend says that after that he and his friends never went back down there. My friend told me this story about 8 years ago. But he is still involved in the church and refuses to come forward in fear of being excommunicated from the church. I respect and trust this man beyond a shadow of a doubt. So this is how it all started for me. The date was October 21, 2001. And I was 17 years old and in my bedroom at night watching South Park at 9 p.m. I lived in Los Angeles, California. I was sitting on my bedroom floor with my back up against my bed. Just as the intro started to play I heard this hum that got louder and louder. 
I noticed that a blinding white light was coming from the cracks of my door. All of a sudden the door slowly opened, and the light filled my room. It was the brightest light I've ever seen. It blinded me. For some reason, I remember thinking it was my mother, so I reached up to put my hand up to grab her. But my arm felt like it was a million pounds and I collapsed. I never saw an entity this time, but then I totally blacked out. Next thing I know I'm right back where I was when I was watching TV only I remember thinking I should have been on the ground slumped over because I collapsed. But I was back in the place where I was before I saw the light. I looked up at my clock and it was 2.33 am. I remember it didn't feel like 5 hours had passed, it felt like it had been seconds since I saw the light and heard that hum. I looked down at both arms, and they were covered in bruises and scratch marks on my forearms. I felt exhausted, like there's no way I had just been asleep. I felt like I had run a marathon. After that night I had hundreds of experiences similar to this. Sleep paralysis as well, but those experiences were vastly different from the abduction type phenomena. It all came to an abrupt stop when turned 23 years old, in fact, on my birthday. That's a whole different story and, and of itself. I've always been troubled by this. I want to know what happened that night. To all who have open minds know that there really is something out there. What it is exactly I don't know. But it's something real. Rest assured. I was in the Boy Scouts, and one of the merit badges I was working on was Wilderness Survival. I was at our week-long campout and part of that merit badge requirement, is to make your own makeshift shelter, and sleep a couple miles away from the base campsite. There were about 8 of us boys ID say, and the adult leader would leave us there to sleep for the night. Well I am already a pretty anxious person. And the days leading up to this had me a bit tense already. So of course halfway through the night, I suddenly hear from the other shelter. No please, get away, stop, don't. Then silence. I whisper shout, hey, no response. And it didn't even wake up anybody else. I quickly come to my senses that he was just sleep talking, and having a bit of a night terror. But to this day I can't believe it didn't wake anybody else up, and that I was the only one to witness that, thinking we were all about to be murdered. In a rural area outside of Aguada, Puerto Rico, where I used to live, I saw a strange man with greenish hue translucent skin who didn't appear human. I was 22 years old when it happened and now I'm 45. I really think it was an alien. It could not walk that well, but a few things got my attention. It had the right hand on the left. What I mean the fingers were backward. Where there was supposed to be the pinky was the thumb. It also walked with difficulty, and when I looked at its feet, I saw that were the same as his hands in the wrong place. The skin was translucent. It looked really weak. I didn't feel scared. I just felt calm, and with the need to go where it was. When it talked to me, it was talking part with its lips and part in my mind. It asked me if I knew where the Arecibo Observatory was. 
The Arecibo Observatory is a radio telescope in the municipality of Arecibo, Puerto Rico. It is also the biggest in the world. I didn't have time to answer when I saw a blue flash of light, and I blacked out. I woke up sitting on the balcony of my house two hours later. When I saw at the time was around 10 p.m., and when I woke up it was 1.20 a.m. I would like to be hypnotized to know what happened to me during those two hours of lost time. I live in Philadelphia now, but I have a house in Puerto Rico where that happened. That was my craziest experience. It has stuck with me for all these years, but I believe it is time to find out what had really happened. To sum up the worst week of my life. Don't fall for job scams posted on Craigslist. Edit. For those interested. I needed more money than I was making. And living in a shitty town where old folks go to die, opportunities did not abound. So I was stuck working in a restaurant with not much else on the horizon. F. I even had a meeting with career opportunities people at my college which amounted to a glorified Google sesh where they taught me how to use snagajob.com and indeed for more minimum wage jobs that didn't cut it for me. So, Craigslist was a last resort for me. I sent out one or two emails and got a hit almost immediately. A dental office worker position that sounded great for me. I'd had some office work in the past which was my previous worst life experience. But that was due more to the senility of the madwoman in charge of the office. So I figured I was in the clear with this one. Hell, pay was even better than my previous office gig, so I responded back in the affirmative. I was speaking directly with the head dentist who planned to move from California to the shitty small town of prune juice and tombstones, and given his age and eccentricities, that all made sense in my mind. The guy was also Russian so I brushed off some minor syntax issues in his emails, by reading them with a slight Russian accent. Mother F. I still get mad thinking about this. I don't really understand some of what he messaged me. He told me I'd be working from home for a few weeks, while he got his things in order for the move, so he'd be sending me some office materials including HP Elite Book 8470P Intellar Core i5. HP Portable All-in-One Printer, Scanner and Fax Machine Hard Drive for External Backup AVG Internet Security 2015 Intuit and QuickBooks Software Legit enough, so far Then, the confusing part Perhaps you may want to put some personal things in place before you start I have decided to provide you with an upfront payment of $300 from your first week pay remaining will come in your first week check. I will include the total cost for the above materials both shipping and installation by the technician, as well as your upfront payment of $300. I will have certified check under my name mailed to you next week to cover the cost, so you don't have to finance them from your personal earnings. This was my mental response, in this order. 1. Holy shit, that's a lot of money. 2. Wait, I'm the one paying the technician for installation and shipping these materials to me. Well, that kind of makes sense. I'm acting as his PA after all, 
So this is the sort of thing I might wind up doing when I'm actually working for him. Fraud was already on the precipice of my thoughts, but I brushed that off and proceeded under the assumption I wasn't doing something incredibly stupid. I exchanged a few emails with him for clarification on the breakdown of the funds, and he got back to me in not much time explaining in some detail what my end of the work would entail. Cool. I didn't think a scammer would have done so much world building and have such detailed answers to my questions that all seem to make perfect sense, so onward and upward. It's worth noting that I'd asked my father and brother, both of whom were in the intelligence community, to do a little digging on this guy. They both came up with a real dentist by the same name in California, whose dental office had closed down. All the pieces really seemed in place. Next, the part where I am so stupid that I deserve everything that happened to me. He asks me to send moneygrams. For anyone unfamiliar, moneygrams are a great way to get cash to your pot dealer across the country via Walmarts. But whatever, this guy was in the process of moving, and maybe this is just how he settled outstanding financials, and he was proven to be at the very least a real person by my online snooping so. Onward, I guess. I deposited the first check he sent me. I used some cash from the check for these moneygrams. I'd talked to him on the phone several times at this point, and he did have a faintly. Something accent. I go to sleep. I wake up, and my world is on fire. Bank account in the negative. Check came back, forged. Penalty for depositing fake check. Money for moneygrams had already gone through. Check for the technician successfully deposited. One in $500 in the hole. I frantically call him, email him, text him. He assures me he is working to fix everything. He calls me and tells me to send more moneygrams. I tell him I'm not doing another goddamn thing until I receive the amount taken from me in cash. He is more difficult to understand now but I can tell he is insisting I, do my job. I hang the F up. He calls me at 4am, requesting I do more moneygramming. I don't recall exactly what I growled on the phone, but it had something to do with my money. I'd worked really hard to have a $300 surplus in my bank account for the first time since college, and in just a few days, it was replaced with a bigger deficit than I'd ever had. I spent a day in my bathrobe on the couch, wondering how I could be so stupid. Then, two days later, my brother died of a heart attack. So that's really what punctuates this story, and makes it the worst week of my life. I don't have a good way of wrapping this all back around to some lesson learned, or a triumphant change in my outlook on things, because this was all at the start of this year when everyone I knew was posting about how 2015 may have sucked, but 2016's gonna be the best year ever. How come none of those cunts died? Life is bullshit. Thanks for reading. Let me share a rather bizarre story, though it's not about me, but rather my boyfriend's peculiar adventure during his stint as a vegan. You see, he had decided to embrace a vegan lifestyle for a while, and during that time, 
He happened upon a Craigslist ad that promised a ridiculous amount of free tofu around five pounds or something of that sort. Intrigued by this unexpected tofu bounty, he couldn't resist the temptation. After all, in the world of vegans, tofu was practically a treasure trove. So, with enthusiasm and a rumbling stomach, he set off on his quest for the tofu, not expecting the strange twist his adventure was about to take. The address on Craigslist led him to a rather nondescript house, and he hesitantly knocked on the door. The door creaked open, and to his surprise, he was greeted by a little girl, no older than 10 or 11. She had a huge, menacing dog by her side, growling ominously at my boyfriend. It wasn't the warm welcome he had anticipated. Summoning his courage, he managed to stammer out that he had come for the tofu, as advertised. The little girl gave him a curious look, and then she suddenly disappeared back into the house. My boyfriend was left standing there, puzzled, as he listened to muffled conversations from inside. After about five long minutes, the door finally opened once more, but this time it was an elderly lady who appeared before him. She looked at him quizzically and then, without saying a word, handed him a crinkled Walmart bag filled with tofu. It was an odd exchange, to say the least. Eager to sample the spoils of his tofu quest, my boyfriend hurried back home with his treasure. But as he excitedly opened the bag, he made a shocking discovery. Every single piece of tofu in that bag had long since passed its expiration date, it was all from the year 2012. A mixture of disbelief, disappointment, and laughter washed over him as he stared at the expired tofu. It was as if this was the universe's way of reminding him that sometimes, things that seem too good to be true often are. Despite the tofu turning out to be a culinary time capsule, he couldn't help but chuckle at the absurdity of the entire experience. It was a lesson learned that day. Never expect too much from a Craigslist ad, especially when it comes to free tofu. Not really a horror story, but more of a WTF moment. I was looking for a dryer and a guy had a relatively nice looking one for $80 and lived in a nice neighborhood, so I figured, sure, why not? I showed up and examined the dryer. The drum part was clearly not mounted to the motor, and there was a bunch of bolts and a belt inside. The guy's ad said, in great working condition. I told him it clearly wasn't in working condition, and he said, sure it is. The guy who took out said it just needs to be reassembled. You're going to have it professionally installed, aren't you? The guy who installs it can just reassemble it. The whole situation was just really weird, and I left as soon as possible. So I was selling my drum set. Full basic kit back from elementary school. We found a seller got 250 for it but this is where shit almost got serious i'm about 16 at the time so i'm selling with my father with me and we agree to have them come to our house we set the kid up no issues and then a white van comes by what steps out is a 350 pound black man easily could be a bouncer 
A Bruce Lee Asian looking man follows him, then a thin white male after him. They looked like they were ready to beat the shit out of us, but they were some of the nicest people I've met. My dad afterwards pulls a damn pistol out of his pants like it's no big deal and says, well that was easy, then grabs a beer. Living back in the middle of the woods, I've had numerous campouts, basically involving typical campout tropes, but with the accessibility of plumbing and electricity not too far away. During one of these campouts a group of friends, and I played what we called manhunt, which is basically hide and seek in the moonlit woods, while only the hunter has a flashlight. We always played these kinds of games. One time while hiding out fairly far from the house, me and the people I was hiding with saw a flashlight and heard leaves rustling behind us opposite direction of the house where we knew the hunter was, and we all just booked it back towards the house screaming. I don't think it was anyone with malicious intent, but I was really young at the time, and it scared the shit out of me. But I'd believe the poor guy was probably just as scared from a bunch of children suddenly jumping up and screaming. This didn't stop us from continuing to play this game, so I guess it wasn't that scary, but as a child I remember it being a lot scarier. It was in 1952, and I was about 10 years old at the time. I was spending the summer at my aunt and uncle's summer house on Pretty Lake in Dowsman, Wisconsin. The property bordered the small lagoon portion of the lake. I was playing in front of the house which was parallel to the lagoon. At some point, I got up and walked to the side of the house that was facing away from the lake. I saw about five things standing on top of each other trying to reach the bathroom window. The window was just a small opening that opened outwards and opened from the top, not the bottom. I was shocked that these bright, silver monkeys were trying to get into the house. I started running to go into the house and tell my aunt, and then everything went blank. I know that I never did tell her about the silver monkeys because in the evening, she was giving me a bath, and I asked her to close the window because I did not want the silver monkeys to come in. She said there were no silver monkeys. Have you ever heard of a similar sighting in the area? Scariest was camping with my wife when a windstorm blew up. I am talking trees being blown over, branches falling, the works. In a forest full of jack pine. The creepiest was camping with my best friend. We were in a semi-remote camping area. Drivable usually to get to it, but definitely only with a 4x4. It was a semi-maintained camping area, as in there were a couple of fire pits, a few rotten picnic tables, and a run-down outhouse. Parks check this place once a year or so. So we get there and start setting up when Buddy wanders over to the shitter and opens the door. He stands there for a second or two, and then closes the door and goes to the second one, goes in and comes out a few minutes later. He comes back to me and says go check out that first one. I assume someone shit on the floor or an animal got stuck in there and died or something. Nope. Three full backpacks, 
And I am talking big bags. Like the bag I have that size I use for week long trips. So we are nosy. We open them up. Two are full of good quality gear. Nothing unusual. The third is full of skittles. Bulk bags. Small bags. Regular. Tropical. Sour. Every flavor and size of bag you can imagine. Just full of skittles. Camp for four days. Never saw a soul. Bag still there when we left. We let the COS know when we got to civilization. Who left all that gear? Why did one person pack 80 liters of skittles? Don't know. But it was weird. Oh. Another scary one. Dog and I were backpacking. Spur of the moment overnight trip. Wasn't far off the road or anything. So I just have a tarp up as a small shelter. Small little fire. Wasn't really hiding per se but wasn't being obvious. Just dozing off when I hear a truck rip up and a bunch of drunken voices. Then the shooting started. Now they probably didn't know I was there. I was parked on a different road and hadn't realized I had walked as close as I had to the second one. But I at all don't like being in the area when a bunch of drunken yahoos are shooting off guns. Especially when I was fairly certain they were shooting in my direction based on the lay of the land. So I put Pupper on a tight leash and headed out a SOP. It wasn't scary, but it was weird as hell. My brother roommate and I went camping out of the blue and got woken up in the middle of the night by some guy high off his ass banging around screaming. They woke me up and we listened as he approached our tent so my brother cocked his pistol and said we're sleeping go away. A few minutes later the cops come and tell him to drop the pole he had and all we hear is tasers and him drop to the ground and all that fun stuff. We had a good chuckle about it the next morning. I live with my partner and roommate, both of which are really into paranormal YouTube channels and shows. This is something they bond over. My roommate even has some tools that he has used, even in our own house that is over a century old. I, on the other hand, have an appreciation for it but I'm not as into it as they are. I'm also more skeptical than they are. Not to say that I don't believe it, because I absolutely do, but I try to look at things from an objective point of view. With that being said, a few months ago, I am pretty sure I encountered a ghost cat. My partner and I have three cats. I work from home and have been dubbed the crazy cat lady, so the cats and I are all very attuned to one another. It began with me thinking I see one of our cats out of the corner of my eye, but when I look, nothing is there. I then began to see the cat figure walk around out of the corner of my eye. This is when I was introduced to the second ghost cat. One of them looks to be black or dark, while the other looks white. I have never seen both cats at the same time. We have a white cat with gray markings, a brown tabby, and a black and white tuxedo. Sometimes, the ghost cats would do things my cats would normally do, so I chalked it up to being a muscle memory thing. Kind of like, I am used to them being there, so I feel like they are there. 
until a few weeks ago, I was laying in bed, when I thought I saw our white with grey spots cat dart across our room, something she would absolutely do. But when I sat up to talk to her, I didn't see her. I laid back down to see a white cat dart across the room, the other way, up into a bedroom window, and I heard scratching or tapping at the window something my cat would not do. I slowly sat up, thinking it had to be my cat, only to see nothing. I tried telling myself that it's the muscle memory thing, but I couldn't get myself to believe that. I feel like it was white ghost cat. Because of the amount of minor encounters, I decided to bring it up to my partner and roommate. My partner says that he thinks he's seen them too, but he's too afraid to believe it because he feels like it's a bad entity trying to disguise itself as something innocent. I don't believe this whatsoever. My roommate thinks that I'm just so used to the cats and I'm overthinking it. This was super disheartening because I don't feel like I'm being overdramatic. I really believe I can feel them. I knew I had to make this post because not only were their comments eating me up inside, but just a little bit ago, I had a second encounter of one of them, I think black ghost cat touching me. I will sit at my desk to work and oftentimes, my cats will come and rub up on my legs, then I'll reach down to pet them. A few weeks ago when this happened, and I reached down to feel no cat, I thought it was the chair or my pant leg that just tricked me but it just happened again. Now I feel fully convinced there is a black ghost cat and a white ghost cat that live in my house. My cats have never acted strangely towards them, which is another reason I don't believe they are bad entities disguised. I also think it could be one ghost cat, but I absolutely have seen both a black and white one, but never together. Thoughts? Am I being dramatic? Is this valid? This has happened to me like about two, three times. We recently moved into this new house. The house is actually my husband's grandpa's house. His grandpa built the house when he was younger after there was a couple who were renting the house. We renovated some things, but the house has always been in the family. Anyway, it started when I was sleeping in the second huge living room it has. I instantly woke up when I heard someone say, ooh, I can't tell if it was a man or a woman. Fast forward to another time. I go to sleep in that same living room, but then wake up and decide to continue sleeping in the smaller living room. I wake up to my husband opening the door and footsteps approaching. The whole time I am staring at the kitchen waiting for him to walk up. He never does. Then the third time, I am playing on the floor with my baby and our toddler. My toddler brings a toy over for me to fix, and as I'm fixing it, we hear the door open and footsteps. My toddler immediately gets up and says, Daddy. But no one was there. This confirms it for me that what I'm hearing isn't just in my head, because my toddler also got up thinking he heard the same thing. The house can't possibly be haunted because it's a family home. We know the entire history of it. It was built in 1963 for reference, so it is an older house. Any ideas on what this could be? This is something I've been experiencing on a regular basis for the last two or three years, but it has been happening way less frequently recently, 
It would maybe happen once every 6-12 months prior to that. What tends to happen is that, as I'm trying to fall asleep, I can feel animals running over me, or I can hear them or feel the weight of them crawling around the bed. The most common are mice or hamsters, or I guess just some kind of rodent since I can never fully see it. This is often also accompanied by a very slight shimmer or ripple in the air where I can feel or hear the animal. Sometimes I have to wake up and stay awake for 20 minutes or so. And when this happens, it looks like reality is shaking or not in place properly when I look around. So, I occupy myself until my surroundings look normal. I got to the point where I was able to ignore it and go to sleep, but I've just had to wake myself up because I could feel someone or something rubbing my feet, and I heard an alarm go off followed by some kind of Japanese announcement, I'm in the UK in addition to the animals. I am currently waiting for my surroundings to seem normal before I try to go back to sleep. If anyone has any insight into this, that would be great. Thanks. P.S. I've also had many other experiences where I've taken naps, and it feels like someone is touching me not inappropriately, and I could swear someone slapped me once. This is something I've been dealing with on a regular basis since I was 1920 now 26, and I have no idea what to do with these experiences. I heard in the past that supernatural abilities like clairvoyance and pyrokinesis are most easily accessed when you put your brain in a trance-like state half asleep, half awake, so I'm not sure if that has anything to do with it either. Am I slipping between reality or something? Sometimes if I concentrate hard enough when I close my eyes, there's a wall of blinking eyes staring back at me, and even when my eyes are open, it's like there's something akin to wings with eyes, also blinking regularly, etched into my eye lens or retina, if I focus my eyes just right. I've also just seen the deja vu tag, and thought I should also mention that I've been experiencing it consistently since I was 11. Apologies for the dump. I'm very confused. Although I don't talk about this with people in real life, the feet rubbing thing was too weird for me to not at least post, and see if anyone has experienced something similar. I went to pick up a liquor shot dispenser from a guy who was giving it away free on Craigslist. I get to the guy's apartment, and he asks me to wait in the living room, while he grabs it out of his bedroom. It's at this time that I notice he clearly has some money. The apartment is pretty large for a New York City one bedroom, and there's a grand piano in the main room. This is also when I notice that there's also a number of lavender scented candles laying lit around the place. Not that weird, maybe the dude just likes lavender. Well, that's why. He comes out holding the drink dispenser. Completely naked. Would you care for a drink, he asks. No. His face sinks, and I very slowly step over and gently take the dispenser from his hands and walk backwards out of the apartment. I'm a guy by the way. Sold a couch and loveseat set on Craigslist for cheap, and offered to drop them off. I couldn't show up the day I promised, but made it two days later. When I got there and brought in the furniture she choked up and started crying. 
Well, it turns out the pictures looked a bit better than the actual furniture honestly didn't mean to. I sold them for cheap and said they were in fair decent condition. What made this bad is that because I came two days late she had already donated her better looking furniture and was now stuck with worse furniture that she also had to pay for. I felt really bad and offered to bring the price down significantly, but she denied and said it was her fault. I still felt bad. 